You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. You've likely seen photos on social media and in the news of empty store shelves and people buying a month's worth of toilet paper or canned goods or bottled water. I even saw footage this morning of a fight that broke out in a store over the last package of toilet paper. So is this stuff that we're hoarding actually going to help us hunker down and be more safe amid the coronavirus outbreak? Or is the power of purchasing simply in the way it makes us feel? Do we feel better when we have lots of things around us when something is going wrong? We're exploring consumer psychology and so-called panic buying. And joining us for that conversation is Dr. Kit Yarrow. She is an award-winning consumer psychologist, professor, and author of Decoding the New Consumer Mind. Kit Yarrow, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. So some of the items people are stockpiling are directly associated with disease prevention, like face masks and hand soap. We are also seeing a huge rush for more general household things like toilet paper and bottled water and canned goods, even though there's no indication that these things are going to be in shortage. So explain to us why people do this when disaster seems looming. We see this in smaller instances when there's going to be a storm, big snowstorms, for instance, that uh, inspire this kind of panic buying. But now we're seeing it on a of course, a national scale, and it seems like a larger scale because of the threat that people feel from this. But but why do we do it? Well, some of it is very normal, very rational response of preparedness. Uh, people are going to be staying at home more. They need to have more things at home. They have to have their... So some of this is really normal, but it's so interesting that toilet paper is kind of like the poster child of um, this hoarding business. And I think it's really due to social media. Toilet paper, when you think about it, an empty shelf where toilet paper used to be is a pretty vivid thing to look at. It really looks empty. It looks a lot emptier than a shelf that just got, you know, all the tuna fish deleted from it. That's a little bit of empty space, but toilet paper, that's a lot of empty space. And so I think it just cued people oh, toilet paper, that'd be awful to be without toilet paper. We better go get ours. So I think a lot of it is just the visual communication that's been going on around shortages. Usually toilet paper is the thing that media and social media have been highlighting, and that's really caused kind of a riot around toilet paper. Hmm. So uh, (laughs) talk about the ways in which this is about feelings of a loss of control, which I think is right. sort of what, what undergirds all of this. It's it's that we we are worried that we will be sort of caught flat-footed and not able to, to make these decisions later. So I've got to make them all now. I've got to go and get everything I can think of so that I'm not sitting around in a week or two weeks saying, oh, darn it, I, I, I don't have this, <laughs> and now I can't now I can't do anything about it. That's exactly right. So in in addition to the rational response, there's a lot of social pressure and anxiety that's causing people to be very irrational and, and exhibiting both hoarding and panic shopping behavior. Toilet paper, actually, we're never really going to run out of toilet paper. Most of it's made in the U.S. It's going to be replenished. 
you know, it, we're going to be fine there. There's no reason to hoard it. So why are people hoarding that? And why are the shelves empty? And why are people stocking up with so much more stuff than what they need? I think there's a couple of reasons. The first one is that we're social animals. And, you know, we look for cues from other people about what we should be doing, especially, especially, especially during times of anxiety and stress. And so when, when we're stressed out, we know we're not thinking as rationally and clearly as possible. We look to other people to see what they're doing to kind of figure out what we should also be doing. And let's face it, this is a very novel situation. We've never really been in a situation like this before. So we're hungry for information, and we turn to um, the people around us to kind of understand what we need to do. So when we see those empty shelves, when we see people stocking up, you know, it sets off a little alarm in us, and we think, well, I better go get, do that, too. Um, even though rationally we kind of know we don't need to do it, emotionally it feels like what we have to do because other people are doing it. And then the second reason is because anxiety in general fuels action. So when we feel anxious, like think about anything you might feel anxious about. What do you typically try to do? You try to get control. Control is the antidote to anxiety. And so whenever we feel anxious, whether, you know, we want to know what the future is going to be, how's our job looking, you know, how's that wedding going to turn out, you know, we, we do things to try to feel like we're more in control. Um, anxiety, you know, just makes us want to take some sort of action. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing here. People, there's no action we can take, um, you know, to understand and stop the virus, you know, except for staying at home and all the good things that we're told to do that most of us are doing, staying at home and social distancing and washing our hands and not touching our face and so forth. But it doesn't feel like enough. It feels like we want to actually proactively do something. And so what can we do? Well, we can shop. <laughs> so I think... I think a lot of the shopping behavior is this sense of kind of preparation and feeling like you're doing something, you're doing, you're doing something, you're making things better, you're in control, and that calms the anxiety. Hmm. And then the third thing actually you alluded to initially, which was that um, we don't want to be wrong. It's way better to be um, overprepared than underprepared. So the thought that, especially if you're in, you know, if, if you're in control of your family, if you have children, other people relying on you, grandparents, whatever, if other people are relying on you and your decisions determine the health and happiness of others, the thought that you might make a mistake and mm. not get enough stuff and then your family would suffer is usually like just, you know, that's, that's just, that's just feels horrible. And people will tamp that down by making sure they have enough and sometimes overdoing it. So, you know, it's kind of like better to do too much than too little and then feel guilt, guilty later. So it's kind of like a, a guilt avoidance strategy. Mm. So, so talk about the, me the, the media and social media in particular. We, we live in a really different time where information is instantaneous and where it is ubiquitous is that making these feelings of anxiety of of maybe urgency worse uh, or is there better information available because it's so easy to get and it's everywhere yeah good question because it actually is making it worse 
So on the on the one hand, um, you know, we all want to be informed, but <clears throat> that desire to do things to in order to feel more in control, sometimes the way that we do things is by constantly staying informed. And frankly, there isn't like a whole lot of new news coming out every hour. You know, there's more understanding of news that already exists. There's, you know, ticks up in the, you know, contamination tolls and so forth. But if you keep listening and keep looking, it seems larger than what it is. Hmm. Also, I think the toilet paper issue is directly related to social media that, you know, we see one picture after another of these empty shelves of people taking out massive amounts of toilet paper, and that also kind of contributes to everything. But, you know, we do acquire news in a more superficial way all the way throughout the day, except, of course, with you guys where, you know, you go deep. But, you know, a lot of people really don't get their news in any other way than in, like, sound bites and visuals, mm. especially pictures today are how a lot of people get their news. And, and frankly, I think it's not calming anybody. It's not feeling particularly rational. If anything, it just makes people more anxious when, you know, they check in every 20 minutes, every half hour for new news. That means they're really not thinking about anything but this. And, you know, once we've taken all the precautions that we can take, the best thing we can do is just have the best life possible, you know, go out and garden and go for a walk and, and um, call people on the phone or text or, you know, try to make the best of it. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Dr. Kit Yarrow. She's an award-winning consumer psychologist, professor, and author of Decoding the New Consumer Mind. We're talking about consumer minds right now. How are we reacting to coronavirus in a consumer context? Think of all the pictures that we see of empty shelves in stores and people rushing out to buy up as much toilet paper or bottled water as they can. What is it that drives this mentality? What is it that drives us to feel like we've got to do that when a disaster happens? Uh, Give us a call and let us know if you're doing that kind of pandemic shopping. What are you buying? Uh, And have you started actually using any of the things that you've bought or are you just stocking it up uh, in the basement? Also tell us if you think all of this is overblown and whether you whether you believe that uh, stores are going to close or uh, that things will be in short supply, uh, do you think sometimes uh, the media are overblowing those possibilities and helping to fuel some of this panicked shopping? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, also, as always, we still want to hear from you about how you are experiencing all of this. What is different in your life and in your world because of coronavirus, and how are you reacting to those things? How are you surviving all of this? Uh, we want to make sure that during all of this, <clears throat> this is still a forum for us to talk about things uh, in depth together and perhaps to lend a little support to each other as we try to manage all of this. Let's go to Bridget in Detroit. Bridget, welcome to the show. Hi. Good, hey. good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. So I'm the graduate coordinator for early childhood education at Eastern 
And I think that how parents are responding to their children right now is really critical. And I wanted to bring up two really important points. Okay. Um, first, I really want to encourage parents to remember that they're the adult in the relationship. And I know that's a little hard right now because we're all under a great deal of stress. But it's really important that parents understand and remember that even though they're scared, they need to remain calm and in protector mode and help their children feel safe. Mm. And um, sometimes when we're so scared, it's hard to remember that that's the role we need to play for our children. Mm -hmm. And we can do that in a couple very specific ways. We can do that, first of all, by watching what we say in front of them and making sure that we're not ratcheting their anxiety and fear up. And, you know, we still as adults need to vent, but we need to do that with family members or friends, other people, and not in front of our children. Mm. And the second thing that's really important right now this week is that we begin to create structure in children's days, and actually, quite frankly, not just children's days, but our own days. If we're home, structure provides safety. It's this consistent pattern of how a day should move that really provides safety and meaning and structure in your life. Mm. And it's pretty basic. So I really encourage parents right now to think about how they want to structure their day and their children's day to create the sense of safety. Mm. There's a really good reason that preschool programs have concrete schedules and children move through their day with a certain rhythm. And again, it boils down to that's what creates safety. Yeah. Bridget, I really appreciate the the call Mm -hmm. and the perspective there. I mean, I think the, the, the behavior we model as parents always matters, but it especially matters during during periods like this. And and I wonder, uh, Kit Yarrow, whether this the the sort of panicked dimension of the shopping that we see, for instance, is one of the things that is sort of providing poor models for for kids about how to deal with things. I mean, if you see your parents really overreacting and really panicked about these things, does that have an effect? On, on you as a kid. Yeah, so much. And um, gosh, that caller just had such wonderful ideas. I'm so glad she called in um, because I think there are a lot of kids that are very confused. I mean, it, we don't understand what's going on, right? Adults, mm-hmm. we're still, we're kind of struggling to make sense of things and our anxiety is high partly because we don't understand and we're looking for the future, understanding what's going to happen in the future. So imagine like kids. And just as that caller pointed out, parents are the rock. If they look calm, the kids are calm, you know, and Mm -hmm. if they look anxious, the kids get anxious. So that was such a wonderful tip. And certainly it's not just what you say, it's what you do. And so any sort of panicky buying behavior or stressing out about how much stuff you have in the house you know, that all translates to anxiety as well. And kids hear that, you know, whether it's in words or in actions, they're hearing that and that's going to make them feel unsafe. Certainly, you know, not having their normal routine of school, especially for the slightly older kids, you know, that is really stressful. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, I loved your your caller's comments about creating structure for your kids during the day and, you know, making this 
making this a more predictable day in and day out activity rather than, you know, every day wondering what we're going to do and how we're going to make it work. That's just so helpful for kids, for them to have some sort of sense that they can predict what tomorrow is going to look like for them. Uh, Again, uh, Bridget, thanks very much for the call uh, and the perspective. Let's go to Jackie in Detroit. Jackie, what's on your mind? Hi, Stephen. Hey. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I am okay. Um, <laughs> so as I think you know, um, I'm the co-founder of Avalon International Breads. Uh-huh. So we're dealing with, uh, you know, we're dealing with this on a, you know, business level first and foremost. And, um, you know, really concerned about the community having enough food when we're, you know, having to close down certain operations, hoping we can keep our bakehouse open so we can continue to produce bread. Um and really concerned about our employees, who some of whom will be laid off and how people are going to get by. But I think the, the major point I wanted to make this morning, and I, I hesitate to politicize things, but mm. it's political. Mm. This whole thing is political. The way we're having to respond is that, as I can remember since Reagan, the Republicans have been telling us that government is bad and it needs to be smaller and smaller and smaller. And this is just a really unfortunate example of the absolute necessity of good government mm. and a robust government. Mm. And we're all 100% dependent right now on good government. And we have, you know, thankfully some really good reps, you know, like Gary Peters and um, and really good, you know, state officials that we've elected, that we elected last time. And I'm really grateful for that. But I think it's just really when this whole thing winds down to really remember to pay a lot of attention to our government as it really, as this current administration and the Republicans in general, has slowly and now quickly been dismantling our government. Yeah. And I think we, hopefully, this will be a turning point in the public consciousness. I mean, I mean, it's, it, it, it's an old sort of axiom, but, you know, people hate government till they need it, right? Um, and, and, Right now is is one of those cardinal sort of examples of the importance of of government and having government that's able to respond to the unforeseen. Right? It's it's about uh, things that could happen that you don't anticipate. But uh, Jackie, before I get uh, Kit Yarrow to respond to the political end of of what you're saying and and these other things, uh, I I would love for you to tell us a little more about what this means for Avalon, which is of course a very familiar business here in the city of Detroit, especially here in Midtown, where we are at uh, WDET. Uh, talk about what the the the, the potential long term effects of this are on a business like yours that all of us have come to, to, to count on and is, is a big part of this community. Right. Well, look, I mean, I'd be lying if I say that I knew yeah. <laughs> because we're, we're responding, you know, I'll be on a phone call with one, you know, one of the leaders in our, in our business and then some other piece of news will come through and we have to totally pivot. So here's what I know. What I know is that we have 135 employees that are, you know, we, we're hoping to keep as many employed as possible. Um, and, 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 and in addition to that, to, make, to do our very best to make sure that people have what they need in terms of food and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so we don't know exactly what we're going to be able to do, but that's, you know, that's what we're thinking about first. Um, well, you know, the, the, the governor just announced that um, – 
you know, restaurants are going to have to close or right. just do carry out. So we're determining which which of our sites will stay open and which will have to close. But our, um, you know, frankly, our flagship store, Willis, really is seen as the hearth of the community. And so we will stay open there as long as we possibly can for takeout service and to provide, you know, just that kind of warmth of customer service that that is who we are. I mean, it's just what we do, why we're there, and also, you know, bread and, and, and necessities that people might need. Longer term, I mean, we'll see. We have insurance, and so um, hopefully, you know, that business interruption insurance will help us get through this. We'll be applying for these SBA loans. You know, again, another great reason why government is absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll see. I mean, I do believe that we're going to get through this, but we will get through this because of government assistance. We'll get through this because of, you know, all the work that our employees have done through all these years to get us where we are, my business partners as well. So, um, you know, I'm confident we're going to get through this, but it, there's going to be a lot of pain mm. for a lot of people um, between now and then. And I just, you know, encourage people to support your small businesses who are able to stay open for right now. I hear people are buying gift certificates online for small businesses because to, to remember these large corporations, these large chain businesses, you know, the airlines, all these things, we really shouldn't feel sorry for them. They have... They've been making billions of dollars, billions of dollars and paying very little taxes for all these years. So I just really encourage people to support your small businesses and um, help keep them open so that when the dust settles, the small businesses are able to recover and they're not all replaced by large, you know, corporations, which is really part of my concern. Well, I mean, you know, something like Avalon, of course, is not just a business. It's part of it's part of the community here in in Midtown and in Detroit. And and that really does make a a difference. Jackie, uh, I really appreciate the call uh, and the information. Okay, before I get Dr. Kit Yarrow to respond to that and get to the other calls, we need to take another quick break. Uh, We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Mary Ellen in Ferndale lives in Detroit. Tom in Northwest Detroit. We'll try to hear from you as well when we get back. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WBET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. My guest is Dr. Kit Yarrow, an award-winning consumer psychologist, professor, and author of Decoding the New Consumer Mind. We're talking about the consumer mind right now during the coronavirus epidemic. What is driving us to do things like hoard toilet paper or bottled water or canned goods, even though there's no sign that those things might be in short supply? because of the disaster. As always on the phones, we want to hear from you as well. 313-577-1019 is the number. Tell us how you are getting through all of the changes that have happened just in the last week because of the coronavirus. What are you anticipating about the next eight weeks is what uh, everyone is saying we're at least in for these kinds of uh, alterations to our lives. You can also go to the Facebook uh, page here at WDET or to Twitter and put comments there, and we'll try to include them in the conversation. Uh, I'm going to go back to the phones here, Dr. Yarrow, before I get you to respond to some of these things. Uh, Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to the show. I think FDR said it well. The only thing to fear is fear itself. Hmm. 
you know, but in terms of, you know, as your question about how how is this affecting you, Steve, I went out yesterday, and I, I can't stay cooped up in the house all day. <laughs> I did got some winter debris up, some leaves and what have you. So I was outside for a good, you know, I mean, about an hour, hour and a half, sunshine, beautiful day. Um, and also, and i got to give him credit, uh, Mayor Duggan, he, inter- he interfered with my day. He closed the rec centers because I try to swim at least three days or more a week. But, you know, my being able to swim and, you know, the rec centers open for the senior programs, it's not worth someone contracting that, I call it, C-19 mm. and ended up getting sick or possibly the worst, you know, dying. And let me say this, too, and then I'm going to go. I think Governor Whitmer has shown exceptional leadership in terms of what she's done with coming on the television and, you know, making the announcements and keeping people up to date in terms of, you know, the new cases and and, and that kind of thing. And also, and I can't think, I can, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but the doctor who Governor Whitmer had, has there with her. Yeah, they, I'm not sure. Yeah, go ahead. They have done a phenomenal job. You know, I absolutely agree about the job that the governor is doing right now and and how swiftly she is acting. I mean, she is not uh, dallying a whole lot and waiting for things to happen. She is out front trying to make sure that uh, the spread here in Michigan doesn't look like it did in 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 other states. Uh, Tom, I really appreciate the call and the comments. Let's go to Mary Ellen in Ferndale. Mary Ellen, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. Yeah, this is I am a teacher, and I found myself with all this unplanned time. And one of the things that I've been really concerned about is the senior shut-ins. And um, I just this morning started making phone calls to some churches and senior centers to see how I can help coordinate efforts. Um, Some just some ideas that I had was putting together an outdoor flash mob Christmas caroling in March so we can go around the perimeters and sing songs to the seniors, um, a mass letter-writing campaign, some activity kits, puzzles, books, adult coloring supplies, needle points, things like that, grocery bags. And so I'm waiting for some phone calls back from churches and senior facility um, outreach directors or whatever, their, their um, social directors. But I'm, will, I, I feel like I'm, you know, like Tom said, I'm cooped up in my house, and I certainly want to use this time to be productive and give to others. So I think this would be fantastic. And I, if there's people who, the, the parents who have children that are listening at home, mm. if they could do the same and just call a senior center, call a church, call, um, say, do you have a senior that I can adopt who doesn't have family in the area that I can outreach to? And we can't go in the facilities, but certainly we can put together care packages, um, food, groceries if they need anything. They definitely love to do puzzles, read books. They're, they're also isolated in their rooms. Yes. So yeah. um, letters, anything, phone calls. Um, some of them have computers where they can do Skype. They would probably, you know, they probably love having a child to Skype with during this time. So I strongly encourage people to do that, and yeah. I'm going to do what I can to to organize this with my friends yeah. in my community. Mary, Mary Ellen, I really appreciate the call and the upbeat look at what the, we can do kinds of things we can do to make this better, not just for ourselves, but for other people and maybe people in more desperate uh, situations than we're in. Uh, Dr. Kitier, I want to go back to one of the things that caller Jackie was talking about in terms of the preparedness of 
government to deal with this. It, it strikes me that that's one of the things that has people anxious is that they don't necessarily believe that the government is going to be able to take care of things. So they've got to do it themselves and they got to do it right now. Yeah, exactly. So, right. The more anxious we feel, the more erratic our behavior. And of course, one of the things that can make us feel less anxious is feeling like we're in good hands and and everything's under control as best it can be. Now, plenty of Americans feel that way and plenty don't. And there'll be a difference in how the groups that do feel that way um, respond from those that don't. So, you know, you sounds like you have a great governor there that's making people feel safe and in control, and that makes a big difference. Um, but certainly, you know, we'll see more erratic purchasing behavior if people don't feel like um, they have leadership they can trust. I think that even with, you know, outstanding leadership all the way through the ranks, the unpredictability of this, not knowing how long we're going to have to be social distancing, not Mm -hmm. knowing what the effects of this are going to be. It's going to be anxiety provoking anyway, and we'll be looking for ways to calm our anxiety. Some people will be doing what your last caller mentioned, you know, looking for ways to contribute to others and finding, you know, structured activities to make the situation better and other people are going to be hoarding. <laughs> but one way or another, we're we're looking for things we can control, and that's really the bottom line is how can I control this situation, whether we're actually making a difference or not. That's another question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, Carolyn in Royal Oak. Carolyn, I've got about a minute left, but I want to just squeeze you in here. Well, I want t- people to keep calm. Mm. We have <laughs> follow the rules, mm-hmm. sure. We're going to find out more information. It's going to help us. So stay cool. Mm. That, that's great <laughs> advice, Carolyn. <laughs> you know, it's hard It's hard advice to take. I mean, I find myself every once in a while getting myself into a little panic uh, about mm-hmm. something that I hear or see. But 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 Carolyn's right, Dr. Yarrow. The, 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 the right way to deal with this is to to be calm and methodical about how how we do all of this. Yeah, and take the long view. Yeah, yeah. This is right. temporary. That's right. This it is, is temporary. Even if it's yes. even if it's eight months, that's that's uh, temporary. Eight <laughs> weeks. It's temporary. That's not too long in the great in the grand scheme of things. It's, we can do it. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Kit Yarrow, uh, consumer con- psychologist, professor, and author of Decoding the New Consumer Mind, was really great to have you here with us on Thank Detroit you. Today. I enjoyed it. Mm. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow, and I hope you will too. Take care of yourselves and of each other. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.